Welcome to the IoT Idols podcast. I'm Ryan Cousins, co-founder and CEO of Critical. We help bring bleeding-edge technology products to market through a combination of hardware and software modules and professional engineering services. We believe every innovator has a powerful collection of experiences and knowledge that can help inspire others in their field. If you have a story you'd like to share, stick around at the end of the show and we'll explain how you can be a guest on one of our upcoming episodes. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you could be the next IoT Idol. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch. I'm your host, Ryan Cousins, CEO and co-founder of Critical, and I'm here today with David Vegas of I Am Robotics. Uh, David, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if you wouldn't mind just to get us started real quick, uh, we'll dive right into you know what it is you guys do and um, kind of what sets you apart, and then we'll kind of drill down into the technology, the operations side of things, you know, your personal history, and kind of take it from there. So yeah, quick intro would be perfect. Sounds great. So I'm actually the uh, director of operations for IM Robotics. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful company. We focus on de- delivering robotic solutions for the industrial automation industry. Uh, so there, there's a common term, AMRs, uh, for, for the industry. We also uh, provide AMMRs, which is autonomous mobile uh, manipulating robot. So it's an AMR with an arm on it as well. And uh, yeah, a lot of great, amazing technologies uh, coming into play. And uh, we're, we're definitely looking forward to uh, um, rolling out new products in the future and uh, fine tuning the ones that we have as well. Yeah, cool. And, and how long has the company been around, just out of curiosity? Our, our company has been around a little over seven years now. Uh, uh, two two co-founders who are still with the company and uh, still uh, playing a major uh, vital role in, in the organization, uh, Tom and Vladimir. They, they both uh, uh, worked together in a previous uh, uh, group and uh, decided to, uh, they, they felt the, uh, they had the know-how to start a robotics company and they were right and uh, has been successful since then. Yeah, nice. And then, and, and yourself, how, I guess, well, what's your kind of background and then how did you get involved with, with this particular company? Great question here. So, so my, my background is actually not in the robotics industry. I have 20 years in the nuclear engineering industry. Um, right after high school, I joined the military and, uh, in the Naval nuclear program and I was operating, uh, the nuclear reactors on an aircraft carrier. I did that for about eight years. And whenever I got out, I started working for various uh, nuclear power plants and rose up through the various management ranks there. And a, uh, a large engineering firm in the nuclear industry uh, recruited me to go and uh, head up uh, their manufacturing operations. And I, I did that for, for quite a while and uh, eventually got into uh, robotics for that firm. And that eventually you know, led, led to uh, connections uh down the road asking me if I wanted to be part of a robotics company and uh, I, I joined that robotics company and unfortunately that, that robotics company, it, it was in the retail automation uh, industry and it was an exciting company but it, it wasn't able to survive uh, COVID as strong as it was beforehand. So um, I ended up uh, having someone reach out to me asking me if I would like to be part of the, uh, this organization, I am robotics, uh, to head up their uh, operations and 
as structure processes in their manufacturing, supply chain, field service, and uh, facilities area. So um, I've been here, I'm just uh, approaching uh, my five months with the company and I'm loving it. It's a great culture and it's a wonderful time I'm having here. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, wild transition to go from not only the, the DOD, which is obviously just a gigantic <laughs> enterprise, so to speak, but uh, but also in a highly regulated, um, uh, op- uh, operationally intensive, uh, very structured environment like nuclear energy. Uh, how did that How did that transition treat you? Was it Was it kind of a, a load off to not have? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm guessing part of your responsibility is kind of creating those structures within the within the new business or within this you know smaller business. But uh, how was that How was that transition? Was you know Was it Was it fun? Challenging? Like what were kind of the 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 uh, you know hard and easy parts that you found? Yeah, great, great point. It's it's both a blessing and a curse, curse uh, coming from a highly regulated industry. Um, the blessing part is I, I have a very process-oriented mindset now, and the curse is you, I I don't want I want to make sure that I don't turn a, a robotics company into a nuclear power plant, you know, because <laughs> you know there there's so much due to obvious reason there's so much structure needed in everything that we do processes for the processes. And uh, what my, my transition going from the nuclear industry to the robotics one was actually a very easy transition uh, because I, I go, going into startups, I, I've always had the like entrepreneurial uh, mindset and background. And so, so it's, it kind of feels like a breath of fresh air. And I'm not knocking the nuclear industry, but I, I have flexibility to practice what I know of how to do things. So uh, I, my, my strength is where I'm able to add the processes and systems to enable work to be conducted in a standardized, efficient manner. But the the thing that I keep in the forefront of my mind to prevent us from turning into a, a nuclear power plant is making sure that our processes are built with not just the end user in mind, but also the person who has to input information into it. And as long as we try to maintain the small startup spirit and add this structure and uh, standardization that is uh, a custom in larger organization, that, that's able to find the sweet spot to be able to be agile and at the same time being able to be structured and have quality outcomes. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, in in my experience and with a lot of other startups uh, that I've talked to over the years, I think I think having a lot of times, you know, of course, startups are relative to the rest of the business world, pretty much the wild west, uh, where most of the time it's just kind of you're putting out some series of fires, you know, or you're just kind of hopping from one thing to the next and getting that structure in place without having things grind to a, a total halt, uh, uh, you know, I think is a big challenge. So I could definitely see a lot of value there, and and like you're saying, especially when you're when you're dealing with something like robotics, um, while it's obviously not as heavily regulated as uh, as the nuclear power industry, I think there there is for sure something to be said about um, about safety and, and quality, and like you're saying, repeatability and having that having that structure in place at, at different levels of an organization 
do you do you kind of do you also get involved uh you know i guess i guess i'd be curious with your particular role in operations is it mostly around um the manufacturing side of things or is it really sort of across you know from the innovation and development group as well as you know qc and qa uh you know manufacturing does it kind of span all of those those uh silos or are you focused on one particular area Great, great question. So I, I'm actually directly responsible for manufacturing and supply chain. Uh, the facilities are a field service organization and uh, currently quality assurance. Um, down the road, whenever uh, you know th things progress, I fully expect quality assurance to transition because naturally quality assurance should not be under the same head of the person who is owning production due to conflict of interest, even though I know I have a good head on my shoulders. Uh, I, I do expect that to transition down the road. Uh, but beyond the constraints of those organizations, I, I, I do uh, make sure that I'm involved in, in development of processes across the, the, uh, the entire enterprise, uh, because what, what we do touches and interacts with so many other items, such as product development. Whenever we're building a prototype, you know, we need to make sure that design for manufacturability is considered in the, in the design. And a lot of items that people don't even think about until it's too late is design for serviceability. And an item that, for example, if there's a, a design to where you have a battery that's, you know, hard to to uh, get to because you had to take the entire robot apart to replace that battery. Well, well, you know, you're gonna have to replace that after one or two years. Do you want to be paying someone $150, $200 an hour out of the field to take apart the robot, whatever they could just take apart a cover? So items such as that, I'm making sure that we instill the uh, design for serviceability and design for manufacturability into the initial design uh, conceptual as well. And same thing for our uh, making sure that we have our production planning process tied in with our sales process. So we have capacity planning. And um, from that also, uh, I've, I've developed like our um, document management system so that everyone goes to the same document library where all of the procedures are and items such as that instead of them all being all you know, scattered about and stuff. So I, I, I tend to uh, try to find areas that will add most value to the overall good in addition to, to my um, direct line of responsibility. And, and I make sure to, to do it to where I'm, I hopefully I'm not stepping on too many people's toes. I'm <laughs> trying to help people make lives easier as well. Yeah, for sure. And I got to imagine, you know, it's, you mentioned earlier on, uh, about the kind of like a, the user interface and user input side of things. Um, and I, I got to imagine, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, when you get into safety critical systems like like robotics and obviously, you know, energy plants and stuff like that, you get into all of these unforeseen situations because, you know, as good as engineers are, for the most part, it's almost impossible to predict how people are going to actually use the product when they get in front of them, as opposed to the very logical, here's the way we designed it. And so here's how people are going to use it kind of thing. And I feel like it gets into a lot of the things, elements you talked about with regards to say serviceability, where the customer development, basically the customer facing side of the business um, is, is responsible for relaying a lot of those pain points to the operations and manufacturing and design teams. 
uh, so you get a really good, really good kind of closed loop, if you will, um, of what the actual pain points are in the field for, and then compare those to what you thought would be the pain points, you know, at the beginning. Um, uh, what are, what are some of the kind of biggest, uh, challenges that, that, you know, you would say you face in, in that kind of operations role, whether that's, you know, whether it's technical or uh, maybe process oriented, or maybe it's just a personnel thing is, you know, as, as a, when you start, you know, having, I know from, from experience working on sort of both, both ends of that, uh, when you start having engineering being told by another group that, you know, you need to change this because of fill in the blank reason that, like you said, you get into these kind of personality conflicts, just stepping on people's toes and kind of keeping that all harmonious. What are some of the, I'd be just be kind of curious, what are some of the bigger challenges you face there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one item to prevent those challenges is, you know, just making sure how we approach change. You know, if, if someone tries to implement change management as in my way or the highway, of course, you're going to come up with confrontations and realizing that we're all one team here. We all have the same objective to better the industry with, with our products. You know, coming together in a collaborative manner actually helps diffuse items such as that. And then if someone does push back, actually step back and look at why are they pushing back? Because a lot of the reason or a lot of the times there is a valid reason and that that needs to be addressed. It might not be communicated as such, but it's important to step back and see why is someone pushing back on that. Regarding overall struggles that I see, is it's not really a struggle, but it, it, it's an interesting point to make is robotics uh, companies across the industry. They, there's, there's, there's different mindsets between a roboticist and a field service technician and a manufacturing technician. So it's important that we value everyone's uh, insights equally regardless of the pay band or anything like that it's important because everyone has so much value to add to the overall product and by building systems to allow everyone to have the same equal volume of a voice truly ultimately helps serve our customer in a better manner yeah yeah it's yeah it's a good point yeah it's so i guess another another thing that i'd be interested to hear about is what what's so you know, you, you, how big is the company now, by the way, just like in terms of personnel? Uh, we, we've actually uh, doubled in size now. We're, we're uh, in the mid-70s uh, right now. Oh, okay. Wow. And it's been pretty exciting the uh, past few months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, it, you know, I guess one thing I'd be curious about is what, what stage was the company at maybe, and I guess you can answer that in a number of questions or a number of ways, but, you know, maybe in terms of just headcount might, might be a relatively – a uh, good indicator, but what stage was the company at when when you came on board? And uh, you know, you can share as much of this as you're comfortable with. But how 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 much disarray was there with the with the processes that were in place? Because I know you know for for me personally, you know, operating the business, it's it's kind of like I was talking about before. Depending on where you are in that in that kind of life cycle of the company, um, is is usually going to predict how much order or disorder there is. Uh, so I'd just be kind of curious what the um, like accounting is another area that that kind of suffers from that, where you know you might push off doing the books, or you know you kind of have a founder doing some kind of hack job accounting, and then you get a real accountant in, and they're like, "What the hell is all this? <laughs> you got to redo the last three years of financials, or whatever." There's obviously best and worst case scenarios, but so what kind of what stage was the company at, and then how how much work was it to get up to, I guess, where you thought it, you were more kind of in a stable 
position from a process standpoint that you, you could then build off of? Excellent question. Well, well, first off, honestly, from from day one, I it sounds corny saying this, but I fell in love with the company from day one. The, the people here are great. The leadership is amazing. And we have a an, an, an really uh, extraordinary product. Um, where we were, whatever we got here, the, the same people, the same great people are, are all still here. And uh, we, we just uh, added some more structure on how we conduct our operations and how we uh, uh, document our uh, work as well. Um, and, you know, there's there's always, re- regardless of if you're in, an, in a long existing company, 150-year-old company or a startup, brand new, there, there's always room for uh improving the processes. Whenever I was with a company that uh, the engineering firm I mentioned earlier in the nuclear industry, it had been in business for about 150 years and there were always processes that need to be made and items such as that, you know, and uh, this this company was was uh, no different. And I fully expect even after I feel, you know, things are fully uh, running with, with, with my processes in place, someone else might be sitting in my seat and they might feel the same way that, hey, the, these processes aren't working, but um, we, we've actually automated a lot of our uh, workflows uh, regarding manufacturing of tracking of work and our visibility from being manual, such as like uh, tracking our production via spreadsheets and items such as that to where we are using um, software to keep track of the work and uh, formal reporting and also communicating across the enterprise. I, uh, w- one of the first things I started on like my second week here was a, a weekly operations update uh, where I send out to all the employees and we communicate the status of all of the functions that I'm in charge of so that everyone knows where, where we're going and how we're going to get there and any challenges that we have. And I found that that is, is always a, uh, an, an essential part of my system because by by making sure that everyone knows that there's any roadblocks, no one's surprised by it. And also, uh, more eyes on the problem, the better, uh, well, obviously, depending on the problem. But, um, you know, we're, we're able to make sure we're all uh, marching to the same beat as well. And uh, the, the other item that a lot of organizations uh, uh, tend, tend to not really think about whenever they're starting a robotics organization is how are we, what's, what's our strategy for our field service? And what I mean by that is a whole lot of people are like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to have field service for the robots. Well, is, is, is the robot, is, is the company going to outsource the field service or not? Uh, my, my personal experience is it's always better to start off with uh, keeping field service in-house to build the subject matter expertise as much as possible so that whenever sales volume increases and deployments increases to the point uh, necessary to outsource for financial uh, benefit for scalability purposes stuff like that you've already uh, developed the uh, talent base to be the su- the in-house subject matter expert so so many uh, robotics companies that that I uh, that I've uh, spoke with in the past uh, they they a lot of them tend to be like well field service is not our expertise so we're going to outsource that and the problem with that is you're losing an opportunity to learn so much about your product as well. So having that and also a uh, a rock, which some people call a remote operations center or a robot operations center, which is like a help desk to where you can do troubleshooting remotely and your dispatches and your trend analysis. I think that is essential for a field service organization as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's, it's kind of a 
the immediate analogy that kind of comes to mind is uh, is accounting um, because you know as a, as it, say like a super small business or startup startup you're if you can say well accounting accounting isn't our core competency so I'm just going to hire some random bookkeeper to do this and they'll figure it out but I think yes that's true in the long run but uh, if you just totally lose sight of what your actual numbers look like you know. What does our cash flow look like? You know, do what is our what are our you know gross profit margins? Some of these these things that are so critical when you're first uh, launching anything, whether it's a new new product line, new service line, uh, new business, you know, whatever it is. I think it's it's a daunting thing for companies in general to say like, well, we're just going to start with with process and then build off of there because you could spend. I mean, obviously, there's an entire entire uh, divisions within, within the company that are at a certain scale responsible for the process side of things. But I think, you know, getting intimately familiar with the disciplines, even if like you were saying, even if you do plan on outsourcing it in the long run, um, prov- does provide a lot of a lot of value because, you know, then you can easily communicate and figure out what it is that you want from the vendor that you're going to be outsourcing it to because, if you just outsource everything, then you're just kind of flying blind, and <laughs> you're probably going to be, you know, side, uh, uh, you know, hit hit on the side of the head a few times, uh, you know, without without kind of seeing that stuff coming. Um, but yeah, I think that's super interesting. So you know, we'll uh, we'll kind of wind things down, but I'd be curious what what so what's you know what's kind of next for the for the company? You know, what what uh, stage are you guys at? Maybe maybe it's for you you internally or technologically or kind of what's uh, where do you guys see things going from here? Uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the next, uh, you know, uh, 12 months of, of this organization. I'm, I'm excited to uh, see see the uh, structure and the foundation that, that we're uh, laying in place, prepare us for uh, additional scalability and uh, for us to really uh, be able to see, you know, this uh, this I am robotics uh, logo everywhere. Uh, we, we are uh, positioning ourselves. We have some great products that, that we will be rolling out. And some great uh, additions and revisions, you know, enhancements to our existing product uh, portfolio. So I'm very excited. Unfortunately, I can't go into too much detail without giving away, you know, the uh, secret recipe and stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm uh, very optimistic, and we I feel we have the right people in the right spots, and uh, now we have the right structure in place and amazing technology to uh, make this uh, next uh, few months a very exciting ride. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely be uh, definitely be rooting for you guys. Seems like a seems like a great company, and from what I've seen, you know, during our discussion and and checking around online, um, it's really cool technology. And yeah, it's uh, looking forward to seeing you guys succeed. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, David, what uh, what are the best ways for people to get a hold of you? You know, uh, you know, any any you know LinkedIn or social media or uh, and you know, kind of learn more about the company. What can you where can you uh, suggest people go for resources like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so for the company, uh, IamRobotics.com uh, is is our website, and we have some good videos there. There's also some uh, uh, videos that, that you may find on YouTube. Just look up I Am Robotics. I Am being one word, and also we uh, we're very active on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up I Am being one word, and Robotics is a second word. And uh, me personally, I'm active on uh, LinkedIn, so anyone can feel free to look up me, me uh, personally as well. Yeah, awesome. We can provide some links in the in the show notes and all that. And 
Yeah, David, uh, David Vegas from IM Robotics. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to following IM Robotics and yourself on the journey. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Ryan. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch from Critical. See you soon. Hey, this is Critical CEO Ryan Cousins again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IoT Idols podcast. If you're an accomplished engineer, inventor, product manager, or technology entrepreneur, and would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to critical.com slash podcast slash apply. That's K-R-T-K-L dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or share it on social media and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone you'd like to have us interview, let them know about the show or tag them on social media using the hashtag IoT Idols. We're always looking for great guests eager to share their stories with our audience. We're regularly posting new episodes, so make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media, and join our mailing list at critical.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be excellent.